0: Welcome to the Pulse Podcast. I'm Amelia Sullivan. Physical therapist Will Stokes is on a mission to prepare the future of our profession for the transition from student to professional. In this episode, Will shared his story as once a student transitioning into a clinician, described how he prepped himself throughout his clinical rotations for his first job, and gives insight on his experience once he became a professional. Will acknowledges that transition from student to professional can be challenging and steep, but he encourages students to ask questions, own what you don't know or understand, and embrace the change moving into the next chapter of your career. Here's our conversation with Will. So Will, welcome to the podcast. Uh, Just for context for everybody, in 2019 you wrote a post for our APTA Pulse blog, and for listeners, if you're interested in, in reading that, Blog post, uh, you could check it out on apta.org, and we'll have a link on the show page. Um, but you wrote about the transition from student to clinician and or professional. So if you're not in a clinic, just as a professional, um, and in it you shared your story. Um, so I really wanted to start this conversation by having you share a little bit of that story uh, with listeners. Sure.
1: So uh, the the story kind of came about with. Over this year, um typically I see anywhere I, I will have anywhere between four, or five, six students uh throughout the year. Um and, and typically they are third year students. Um and so you know, the the common topic of hey uh this is my last rotation, I'm I'm picking to graduate or I've got my licensure exam uh coming up. Um I'm I'm looking to move to a whole other state or uh, all the way down to I don't even know what practice setting I want to work in. Um, So getting exposed to that, I mean, those are obviously feelings that a lot of us at that point experience. Uh, You know, we up to that point tried to have all of our ducks in a row, but that's a very large duck in a very long row. Um, When you kind of reach that graduation point, right as you transition from a student into a clinician. And so I put from my standpoint as a student kind of speaking on behalf of, 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 of everyone that, that I know who kind of feels the same way, who goes through the same trials and tribulations of what do I do, where do I go, um, you know, am I ready, you know, am I, have I officially achieved entry-level uh, status as a as a new grad, as an early professional clinician. And it's, you know, we, we have a lot of resources available that kind of help objectify that, but there's still a little bit of hesitation among a lot of people, um, totally normal, totally normal. And so I, I kind of gave a synopsis for, you know, what I did as a student. I had really good uh, clinical instructors and mentors that I could reach out to and say, hey, you know, um, I feel like my 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 skill set in the clinics just a little bit maybe I'm not as confident in. Uh do you mind in our free time do you mind helping me out uh work on some stuff? Work on some some skills, some some manual skills or some treatment progressions, um, you know, some more diagnostic stuff. Um all the way down to uh documentation and communication with other staff and uh supervision of other staff. Uh I was able to do rotations that had um, some, some high school students intern, some college students intern, um, maybe some other PT students or PTA students who kind of were uh, alongside in our uh, clinical curriculum, and so kind of being able to multitask and work with them and kind of collaborate with multiple people was a good opportunity. And so, I also wrote in my my, my story on the other side of that tent as a clinical instructor myself now trying to utilize the experiences that I had as a student, which I felt really helped build my confidence. Um, it allowed me to kind of see all aspects of what it meant to be entry level, you know, and um, my students who I, who have had over the, the past several years um, have really had a positive response with that Um there's, there's, you know, no, there's no bad opportunity to really work on, on being, uh, prepared to transition from a student into a clinician. Um, every opportunity is a good opportunity. And so, that's why I hope that, that, uh, that anyone could, could kind of read my story and relate and kind of uh, feel that, you know, they're not alone. There's a lot of other uh, other students out there that feel the same way. And I also hope that maybe some clinical instructors would read this and kind of say, hey, you know, that's a good idea. Um, maybe I could implement some of this in, in my own clinical curriculum um, and, and see if it would just give the, the next little edge to help improve that student's overall clinical experience and make them ever more prepared uh, when they make that transition.
0: So Will, that makes me think about the students who are unsure what they want to do, unsure what practice setting they want to pursue, um, unsure if their skills are where they need to be when they need to be at a certain point. Um, So for those students, um, how would you say um, that they figure out what to look for? And um, like you and your story, um, in your student experience, how did you know what you were struggling in? And um, how did you know how to ask questions that would kind of lead you there of your CI or of your mentors? And then finally, um, what would be your advice for students on how and where to make assessment points along the way through your student experience and then obviously through your transition?
1: That's a good question because, uh, you know, in, in in practice, we we always tell ourselves, you know, it know what you know and know what you don't know. But you don't want to not know what you don't know. If that makes sense. Um, if you know you're good at something, great. But if you don't know you're not so good at something, that's a whole different issue. Um, and so, as a student, I I knew I liked a lot of little areas. You know, I, everything was interesting. And I think that's what I think that's a common thing among a lot of students now. Is that they 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 like a lot of areas. You know, they they, they like working with a lot of patient populations. Um, it's what more comes down to I have a lot of options, I have almost too many options, and I don't know how to kind of call down these options. Um, what I do as far as, like, assessments for how how I know, like, which of these areas I'm best at comes down to my interactions with those patients, you know. Uh, if, if you really like working in a hospital and more like an acute care setting potentially, um, if you are... Kind of educating the patient on what all they just recently uh, underwent. Um, if you like the flow, if you if you performed well under that kind of time schedule, and you were comp- confident in yourself in uh, the, the the current skill set that you need to to work well in acute care, then probably your strengths are going to lead you. naturally have great communication like you're very confident in you know and and kind of run with that because sometimes you you get into an opportunity where you get into a setting and you're working with a certain patient population and maybe initially you get in there and you're like you know ooh, it's a it's such and such setting i don't feel very good about this but then you get there and you absolutely love it and there's a ton of stories that we hear all about that where you have you have someone kind of jump into a setting that may not have been their first choice, and maybe going into it, they're like, this isn't going to be for me. And they absolutely love it. And it kind of sparks a whole nother passion of them. They probably didn't even know themselves. And I, I, you know, not all of my students who come to me, I'm in a private outpatient clinic um, that has high-end athletes all the way down to, you know, some some chronic pain. So we see a whole gamut of patient populations. And not everybody who comes here, you know, falls in love with, with orthopedics. You know, that, that, that it's a niche just like anything else. So I, I have my students kind of follow their their passions, follow their strengths. And that really shines a light on, on what setting or what patient population they feel the strongest in. And then from there, it's just one step stone after another.
0: And now for a quick break inspiration education community service and fun apta's next conference and exposition has it all join us june 3rd through june 6 2020 in sunny phoenix arizona visit apta.org slash next for more details and now let's return to the show okay so let's build off of that a little bit um, and use your examples of communication skills and documentation um So I want to exclude what you think of as physical therapist skills, so for this question. um, How do you know when you're just not good at that stuff? And again, not referring to PT skills, um, but you know, something like documentation, something like um, just how you're communicating something, something like just general you in the workplace. Um, Is that just something that your CI should be pointing out? Or are there some self-assessments you can make? There, yes, sometimes you have
1: to at least lay the foundation down, um, just because there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of communication skills that you need to really optimize your treatment delivery. You know, we really work with the public more than most any healthcare profession. You know, we 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 are with patients for hour plus on end several times a week potentially, uh, most times every day in some settings. So having having the communication skills set at least as a foundation that where you can pick up some verbal and nonverbal communication, I think I, I kind of introduced to the student potentially – Patients who are a little bit more sensitive to either the verbal or nonverbal communication, you know, a, a common adage that we always hear is watch your poker face. You know, uh, a lot of times you have a student who um, is trying to work with a patient and is really trying to do well, but yet they, they look in their face. You can clearly tell that they're just not getting it or they're just having a little bit of, a, of an anxiety of doing it. And, and I do have to kind of – I laid the foundation down with the student and say you know, it's, it's okay to, to, to obviously not know the answer. It, it's okay to, to work through the problem. Uh, maybe here are some uh, different tips and tricks to kind of get over that, that zero to 60 as far as anxiety goes so that the delivery and the communication – both verbal and nonverbal in front of patients and other patients uh, and staff isn't so clear or apparent, um, and that comes with practice. And uh, the more practice you can give someone, kind of really using lots of different communication skills. Um, not, I mean, everybody's going to have multiple different experiences. You know, we've you've got lots of type A students and lots of kind of you know more type B, um, extroverted introverted. Um, Uh, I'm one who really talks with my hands, and I'm standing, and I'm moving around, and I can use an entire room just to tell one story. Not everybody's like that. Uh, It's okay. You don't have to be, you know. But um, I definitely think the more practice at using your type of communication skill set that you kind of naturally have and and making it more uh, optimal to whatever that practice setting is, We'll just make everything work much, much smoother, as well as documentation. Um, You know, sometimes we have uh, different ways of saying things, um, and I try to tell them, you know, here are some tips and tricks on how to kind of get the same thing across, maybe using less words. Um, Usually when I do that, I let them initially type out everything they want to say. And that gets the all that information that they have in their head at the moment, gets it out on the paper. And what that helps them see is not only how they're writing it, but how much they're writing it and how, how much detail they're providing. And then we go through with kind of step-by-step individually and say, okay, you said that this patient did A, B, and C, um, which is fine. I'm glad you caught those things. Uh, let's condense this down and try to say it more efficiently um, make it a little bit more um, concise but yet still direct and specific so that if if we see this patient uh, you know tomorrow or, or next week we can read this quickly and immediately recognize and and plan for our next treatment session and and as practice of doing that pattern of let me write what I have in my head, let me try to break down these, these statements and phrases and, and specific details into more concise, uh, more efficient um, skills, more efficient time uh, management, then that, that just goes on a good domino effect, and we're able to really pick up on things quicker, and they are able to relay that information faster, and they are able to um, – to, to, to relay the information to me, to other staff, to the patient much, much quicker. Um, and that saves time and energy elsewhere that we can use for, for other, other aspects of, of the day or, or for the week.
0: So let's pivot a little bit uh, and talk about the CI student dynamic and uh, relationship. So a student is listening to this and say they're highly interested in developing a relationship a mentorship experience, and an open line of feedback that works both ways, CI and student. Um, And I'll refer back to your Pulse blog post um, that can, again, be found on APT's website. Uh, When I read your post, I thought the story and experience that you shared could serve as a great roadmap on um, how to get through your clinicals and then navigate that transition into your first job. Um, but you spend a portion within your posts talking about establishing those relationships and those lines of feedback that worked really effectively for you with your CI, with your mentors. Um, so tell us how you initiate that relationship or plan um, with those people. I
1: I always tell my, my first question um, to, to my students is, you know, what would you like to get out of this rotation? Um, it's a simple question. It's a very open-ended question. Um, I I kind of lead our relationship with that question because that gives me a game plan as to kind of where we would like to end, and then I work backwards. I'd say if you're a student and and you're wanting to really get a lot out of an upcoming rotation or if you're currently in a rotation, I'd I'd say go to your CI and say, listen, uh, I've got eight weeks left or I've got six weeks left. Uh, by the end of this rotation, is it possible if we could work on, you know, A, B, C, D? Um, if, if, if there's an opportunity for me to see this condition, can, can we, can I do it? If there's an opportunity for me to, uh, to, 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 work with a, a, a certain patient or patient uh, volume potentially, you know, um, it, it helps the CI better direct, uh, the remaining time you have, um, obviously the earlier the better, that you kind of begin that relationship and you begin the, the clinical rotation. Because there's a lot of – there's not many people out there that kind of have like a, a quote-unquote official curriculum. Uh, it's kind of more or less, you know, I have I have 12 weeks and you're, that you're with me, and by the end of the 12 weeks, we at least know, according to the CPI, that you have to be at a certain – level of performance but it doesn't really give any more details as far as requirements for any uh, anything else and that's kind of where I try to fill in all those gaps Uh, because I know that as a student I know subconsciously they want to learn those things and I know as a clinician they need to learn those things so I just kind of marry the two and and we build a kind of like a, a schedule and, and and make sure that every day is an optimal learning opportunity to, to accomplish all these things. So if you're a student uh, really wanting to get everything you can out of your rotation, regardless of what setting you're in, then I say go to your CI and say, listen, um, you know, I, I really want to work in acute care, and I'm in acute care now. It can we uh, really look into – everything that you do as a clinician, can, can you task me with meeting your productivity goal? Can you task me with um, documenting the way that we need to per, per this setting? Or uh, when you go to your grand round meetings, is there a a way I can, I can either go with you or can I go on behalf of, of our patients and, and speak on behalf of the progress that our patients are making? And nine times out of ten, if, if, if it, the logistics can work out and the CI is able to uh, adhere to those requests it, it you really do get a great um a great experience out of it and it's well worth the time obviously of being in that setting and learning that aspect of our profession um and the CI i think it makes them better because it shows it shines light on other aspects of clinical practice that they might have have been blind to you know we we do it kind of day in day out, but sometimes we forget that these students haven't always haven't been exposed to something you know they they they're not uh exposed to this kind of like level volume or 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 the way that just the 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 clinic is run a certain way and so bringing them up to speed and kind of really looking at at them as a the colleague as a future colleague. Uh, it, it, it treats them differently, and it makes that relationship a little bit stronger than versus uh, a more just a temporary, hey, I'm just going to teach you uh, what you basically need to know, and that's it. I mean, I feel, unfortunately, there's cases of that happening, and, and then the student leaves the rotation. Maybe it's a setting that they really love and they really wanted to get a lot out of it, but for whatever reason, they may not have gotten everything out of it that they wanted. Um, and it may have been too late, I and mean, that might have been their last rotation. So I always lead that, lead every time I, I meet a student. The first thing I always say is, you know, "What What is your end goal? And, and that end goal is my end goal. And we'll build a, a program up to that, just like when we do with patients. You know, what's their end goal? We build a plan of care. I have a plan of education. Um, and, and it's a teamwork thing. I, I you know, I can't uh, basically teach the student everything, and they can't be passively educated. It's, a, it's a definitely it's a, it's a two-way street. It's a partnership relationship. It's a very active learning uh, experience. But um, having that good uh, kind of uh, honesty, I guess you'd say, and, and maybe some clarity between the student and CI um, will definitely benefit both parties for sure.
0: Oh, and you know, that makes me wonder too, like as clinicians and uh, as CIs, you're doing this stuff on a daily, right? Like you're treating on a daily, you're in the clinic on a daily. uh, So I'm guessing that you just kind of go through the motions sometimes and things become automatic. Um, So I would think that you would appreciate when a student would come to you and says, teach me this or show me this or can we review this? Absolutely.
1: Uh I mean I'm only uh going on three uh going on three, three and a half years out of out of school. So some things are still very new and fresh. Um but a lot of clinicians who've been in practice for several years, having a student I, I think is a good thing. And not just say that the students gonna come in and completely tell them that, you know, whatever they're doing may be outdated, but you have a young, very new brain full of all kinds of of brand new information and research that's available, you know, that you would be, you know, speaking as a clinician, you know, you'd be foolish not to take advantage of that, you know. Um, Sometimes we get in a rut because it's it's been, you know, it's what we've always done or it's been the same old, same old. Uh, Doesn't necessarily mean it's the best way to do it, you know. There's always uh, multiple ways to look at the same problem, and, and when you have a patient of your own, you know, regardless of how long you've been practicing, you're going to get a kind of a difficult, complex case. I always love having a student kind of come in, jump in, and really look at it from a fresh set of eyes and say, you know, what do you think? You know, look at this from your standpoint, and, and what's the first thing to come to your mind? Because because we do see it as a clinician day in, day out, we – we that, that kind of um, – that routineness, you know, may kick in, and, and routineness may not lead to the best outcome as far as being an expert in the field. Uh, having a student keeps things fresh. Um, having a student there really improves my own practice, which uh, I, I, I find obviously helps myself. I mean, it's kind of uh, like one long 12-week continuing education unit. Uh, we both learn from each other, and then what I take from what I've learned from one student, I lead over to uh, help teach another student, and then I learn from them almost as much as they learn from me, and and that's what I think it should be. Uh, it, it is definitely a two-way street, um, and I don't think a lot of CIs take advantage of that. You know, they they kind of give the information as, as a as a as an operator's manual to physical therapy and it may not take advantage of all the new information that the student has available to them, you know, that they're eager to, 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 to treat and, and, and produce. And, um, that's kind of some unwasted, unwasted opportunities there.
0: So, Will, if you don't mind, I want to go back and talk a little bit more about that transition point. So, like you said, you personally are three years out of school, Um, And so graduation and student life aren't all that distant in your past. Uh, And today you're a clinician and a CI, and uh, you're just far enough out of school that you've got some reps in, so to speak, um, work-wise, professionally. Uh, You're treating, uh, working in the clinic, uh, serving as a CI, and of course you're involved in the profession Um, so what insight can you give speaking to where you're at professionally?
1: I would, the first thing I would say is your third year. If you're a second year going into your third year, I would say your third year is about to fly by. Um, the first two years of school kind of go pretty slow. You know, you're in class uh, all day, every day, um, for, for several weeks and months on end. And for most programs your whole third year you're either out on rotation or you're kind of coming back and forth and it flies by. And so I would definitely say almost be prepared for that. Be be prepared to kind of uh, have time go by very, very fast. Graduation will come extremely quickly. And um it 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 would be to your best benefit to uh, appreciate that of how fast time is going, so that you know in your own rotations you're kind of getting things prepared for for that particular rotation, but also for the next ones and for for graduation down the down the line, and uh, making sure that you're getting your application to take your exam prepared early. The earlier the better, just so that you don't show up you know there and there's something missing whatnot. Um, if you are a third year fixing to graduate, I definitely would say it's okay to not know what you want to do. Um, I would say definitely reflect on everything that you have experienced, all the patients you've treated, uh, every setting you've been in, you know, every, every condition or, or patient case or, or, or conditions that you've studied that you kind of were very intrigued by. And I say, you know, look into that. Look into, you know, you, you, you want to, you don't want to just take any job right after you graduate. Um, because graduation flies by very quickly and then, you know, you have your licensure exam. Um, which is, you know, obviously it, it's a very important part of all of this, uh, to prepare for and take and, and, and do successful on. Um, and then after that, it's, you know, what do I do with my life? uh it's it's the the end of one chapter and the beginning of of another chapter so looking at at and reflecting back on the past 3 years of uh the past very you know fun but hard working years you you want to kind of get your your game plan at least together in the sense of hey you know i i know what i potentially want to do and may uh, may know what i don't want to do that way when it comes time to kind of start looking for uh, positions open um, wherever you wherever you wish to work. Uh, you kind of lead in with that that you know this is I feel comfortable with this. I I, I want to work here. I, I know I like these patients. Um, I, I know I'm very interested and and I feel like I'm a, a very strong uh, clinician and I'm very uh, very eager to learn as much as I can about this about this you know certain aspect of our of our profession and and let that you know guide you on lots of opportunities um you know it, it's you don't always have to have the very very best first job you know uh just like just like some rotations it's an experience you know you obviously want to uh get ready and try to find the best job you can but sometimes uh, an opportunity it shows its head and it may not be the first thing you think of but there is a good opportunity there um good work experience maybe something different you didn't think of, uh, maybe a different location or setting that you might have been a little hesitant about initially, but actually would end up being a better opportunity in the long run and and go with that. So I I tell people it it you don't always have to have everything confirmed and concrete, you know, right as you graduate with it coming up, you know, it's it's obviously good too. But it doesn't necessarily – it's not a requirement to graduate. And that usually takes a lot of stress off of the students because, you, you, you know, you guys have had a, a bunch of information given to you in a very short amount of time. And then you have to, you know, study your license licensure exam. And then within a matter of a few days, you, you find out if you passed. And from there, it's boom, there you go. Hey, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm licensed and I am I am locked and loaded and ready to go. And so – uh, getting any kind of any level of a game plan together uh, just makes that whole process go a little bit smoother, just so you don't have any added levels of, of stress or anxiety on your shoulders leading into your, uh, into your, into your licensure exam or, um, or anything, other big transitions that you're going through at that same time.
0: And now for a quick break. Building a community that advances the profession of physical therapy to improve the health of society. APTA's mission statement reflects why we exist, you. Your efforts impact the lives of patients, students, and colleagues on a daily basis. Your engagement in the conversation and the work of this association is how we move this profession forward. Build your community by volunteering. View volunteer opportunities and sign up at engage.apta.org. Now, let's return to the show. So, Will, this next question is for you. Um, and kind of building off that last question, so you're a clinician now, you're a CI, uh, you're a few years out of school. Uh, was there anything that surprised you? And um, I'm going to kind of leave that um, up to you as your interpretation, but from student to clinician and now full-on professional, is there anything that surprised you?
1: Surprised me? I, I, I Yes, there, yes, there was. Um, you know, I, I don't want to sugarcoat it and say that uh you know everything is is perfect you know i mean i i love being a physical therapist i mean i don't think you're going to find anyone who's going to tell you otherwise you know in an honest answer you know i think everyone absolutely loves their job but there are parts to it that are that are a little bit more cumbersome than maybe we initially thought you know um sometimes we we realize that maybe we're working with certain insurances, um, you know, we, we initially think making a plan of care would be just a real simple real simple process, uh, until we find out that maybe the patient has a difficult time um with with with, with you know from a financial standpoint. Maybe their their insurance may not cover something or maybe their insurance is require certain requirements and kinda of get gotta get those in place before you can do anything or um it depends on if you see patients that um kind of basically pre approve everything first. You know, you kinda of have to convince them way ahead of schedule that, hey, you know, this 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 patient would obviously benefit from a lot of this. Uh and here's my here's my plan of care. Here's here's what I, I think the patient needs and this is from, from my Objective measures and everything, and it kind of gives a really good case. And then they come back and they deny it because of, of, of something else logistical that has really nothing to do with with, with you. Um, it, it is it is it is uh, cumbersome. It's aggravating a lot. You know, you 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 get on the roll and you think uh, that that you have everything going well. You know, patients are improving and. Uh, and, and services, treatments are delivered well and in a timely manner and then, you know, there's a hiccup along the way with, with all the different pieces of this puzzle that we all call healthcare. Uh, and everything has to kind of be in sync with each other. It, it doesn't work well if there's some, some asymmetry or some, some disagreeing, disagreements among providers or, or, or what have you. And so that's a piece of it that I was surprised, just because that's that's an aspect of of our profession, you know, the actual delivery and the the claims and the billing and the coding and the reimbursement part that kind of just barely get bit gets touched on, you know, in in school, but but not to the full effect of what we see out every day now. The good thing is that the FPTA is working hard every day to to fix a lot of these issues, and and clearly we can see over this past year they've addressed a ton of them, and that has helped. Um, And we've seen a lot of different headaches and burdens go away because we've had a lot of, of these issues addressed and fixed or corrected or at least made a little bit better. Um, but there, you know, once we fix one problem, we find a handful more that arise that that could make things go just a little bit better, you know. Obviously, for the patient standpoint, because um, we want to make sure that they benefit than anybody more than anybody. You know, it's their their health, their their overall functionality. Um, and I, and when I tell my students, you know, when when they kind of ask me that question, they say, you know, what are you surprised by? And I, go, I you know, it, it's I, I'm you're given a lot of responsibility as a clinician and a great deal more than I think a lot of people know and realize and recognize and appreciate. Uh, But, but as you accept that responsibility and kind of see what all uh, as a clinician you're responsible for and how you, how you deal with all these people and, and all of this paperwork and all of the, the logistical side of, of healthcare, um delivery, you know, um it, 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 it really shows, you know, how much you care for that patient and all the different things you have to do just to make sure that they're given the services that, that they need, uh, and that they could benefit for, you know, and, you know, push comes to shove. We do here in my practice, um here in, in, in North Carolina, we do a lot of pro bono you know i mean come push come to shove sometimes things happen that that the patient uh they lose their job and lose their insurance and or something happens that 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 obviously comes out of their control you know we we don't stop providing for them you know we 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 just pick right up and we do some pro bono work and and we serve our community because it, it the patient's come first so it it's um it's a it's a stressful you know the other half of it is is kind of stressful, making sure that you can perform uh, the way you want it, and you can make healthcare the exact way you want it. Uh, sometimes there's some obstacles in the way that we have to get over, um, and the students see that and and they appreciate that. You know they appreciate they they realize that doing some pro bono work, for example, isn't just you know just doing good community service. You know that is the 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 a key factor in getting this patient back to work or not, you know that is that is a key factor in in making sure that that this patient is able to get back to their family, you know, on the other side of the country. Um, you know, it, it, it is a it is a part of our practice doing whatever it takes in order to provide care in whatever means we feel is best for the patient. Um, and there's multiple different mediums for doing that, and um, But I think knowing, kind of at least getting to see that, you know, it shows the student how to really appreciate our delivery of services and the multitude of different ways that we actually deliver service and why we have to do some things certain ways. Is you know because of just the way the, the the healthcare field is, and you know, and and having to kind of make sure that everyone is kept in the loop and. And make sure that everything is is approved and agreed upon and 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 um, and provided in a timely manner. And when they see those things, uh, it, it gives them a more competent reason in why I have to write things certain ways or why I'm I'm, I'm eager to get this done quick because you know there, there may be a time limit on it or, or whatnot. And that give that kind of uh, that level of care gets transferred to them so that not only they're just working, they're just worrying about, you know, am I just doing this one treatment correctly? They're looking at, you know, why am I doing it? Um, When do we need to do it? How often do we need to or why not? You know, is there anything else we can do from a community standpoint that way they're able to continue their care after they leave here? You know, those are little mental notes that, that I would, I would hope that, we all as clinicians are able to have for our patients, you know, before, during, and after their time with us, uh, for all these different reasons. And um, it, it's I, I try to let the patient know that you know we're, we're, we are the the main benefactors in the the healthcare world, and showing them why we are uh, gives them kind of a, a, a increased level of interest and pride in being a uh, future physical therapists because they know that they are going to make a difference, you know, in their patient's life and in their community for all these different reasons. Uh, sometimes the difference is small. Sometimes it can be big, but you know, a, a small, a small bit of, uh, of, of improvement in someone else's life makes a big impact. I think bigger than most people can think, and and all those impacts add up to a pretty substantial impact. Um, and I think, if anything, it just inspires students to just, you know, when they become a clinician, that they just hit the ground running and they kind of get a a, a greater sense of that grit of I'm here working, you know, as, as best I can with the resources I have available, and we're going to, you know, make this patient better uh, in the end. And that's the main goal. That's the main thing.
0: Well, first, uh, I want to say, Will, thank you so much for doing the work in your community that you're doing and for the profession. Um, you know, as an APTA staff person, um, I know people like you help push the profession forward. So thank you for everything you're doing. Um, so last question for you, and this is kind of a an open open one for you, but uh, words of wisdom for listeners. Uh think students, new grads, um, just uh, whatever you want to say, go for it.
1: Follow, follow your passion. You know, go, go with your strengths. Uh, expound on your strengths. Capitalize on what you feel you are best at, and learn everything you can about the things that you're not so good at. You know,
0: um,
1: as a student, while you're still in school, you know, get as much information readily available as you can, and really. Make sure you feel confident in, in anything that you seek. Uh, not that, you know, you're not going to be able to learn. You're, you're going to continue to learn until the day you retire, plus then, you know. But but I, I would want you all to, you know, um, uh, do – be you, you know, you got into this profession because you wanted to, to, to help people. You wanted to improve health care. You wanted to provide health care to patients. So that is the guiding light in in why you went through all those hard, you know, three or four years of school and and why you stayed up late studying and and why you, you know, busted your butt in in clinic experiences and rotations, kind of learning everything that you can, like like we talked about. So make sure you don't lose sight of why you're doing what you're doing, you know. Uh, Always think of the patient first. Follow your your passions. Um, it's always a great day when you go to work as as a physical therapist and you do what you love, because just like the old adage, you know, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. And and I I love working as a physical therapist. I love serving my community. I love talking with patients. And I I mean I know about everything there is to know about my patients, you know, that, that we just connect. And I love connecting with people, and I love communicating, you know, my story and, 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 and communicating and connecting with them about about their stories. And and that's just a, a factor in my practice as a physical therapist that I love. And and if I didn't try to position myself going forward in in a place that let me really exemplified that, that aspect of, of being a physical therapist, I don't think I would have as much of a good time. I wouldn't have that much pride in myself going home every day, knowing that, that I basically, uh, you know, I, I, when I go home, I'm very confident that I did everything I could, that I made a positive impact on my patient's life, you know. Right. A, a small little change adds up to a very large change of the time. Um, And that, you know, even the bad times that I have, the bad days, they don't seem that bad. So you you don't want to not – you don't want to be in a position that you're just kind of going through the motions just to get by. And you're not following your passions and you're just kind of learning maybe something that you really don't want to learn. or you're trying to perform some, you know, kind of work with patient population that maybe you're not just the most comfortable with because that just – May lead down the line to just the not not the best overall experience and 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 work experience and you want to make sure that you kind of position yourself and make the decisions as early as you can to make sure that those opportunities don't happen, just so that moving forward you you follow and do everything that you that that you want to do because I would much rather have a profession full of of happy, energetic, compassionate physical therapists that that love to go above and beyond, you know, what what is called upon us to do versus, you know, some providers being a provider that just kind of goes through the motions. You know, we, we – I can pretty much guarantee that I'm sure someone of us listening to this uh, podcast is going to have a situation where you have a patient who's gone to a provider who just kind of went through the motions and just – barely scraped by and might have just kind of addressed some things but really didn't connect with the patient or really didn't look at every little factor of that patient's life that, that needed to be looked at. And I, I hope that's where we can really, really hone in on and, and be the experts of, you know, we're, we are the experts of, of movement and of, of people, uh, people and, and functionality. And so if you kind of do these things, in the right order, or, or at least in a good timely manner, you position yourself to absolutely be that, that person that we all talk about, we want to be. Uh, and I can just, you know, give you the, the wise words of if you follow your passions, you never stop learning, and you always, always do what you love, you know, you, you will absolutely become that person that we've all talked about becoming, you know, and if, If that, all these things fall into place, then we are going to be a profession, you know, uh, worth reckoning with.
0: Will, thank you so much for what you continue to do every day for the profession and for the future of our profession through your students. I know listeners will really get a lot out of your insight.
1: Oh, absolutely. Thanks for having
0: me. I love it. To read Will's blog post, Easing the Transition from Student to Clinician, or to read more from the blog, visit the APTA Pulse blog at apta.org/pulse. APTA podcasts like this one are available on Apple Music, Google Play, and Spotify, or by visiting apta.org/podcasts. I'm Amelia Sullivan. Thanks for listening.